So, Christmas here already. Woohoo! I remember when I was a kid, uh, Christmas was awesome. It was the happiest time of the year. Um, probably because I was an only child, and so all the presents would be for me. Somewhere, uh, I, I would say, like for junior high and high school, you guys are still probably pretty pumped about Christmas. You probably haven't uh, gotten to the place where it's horrible yet. Um, and, 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 but it becomes less, like when I was in high school, I had a job, so, uh, which kit millennials don't do. Um, they wait until their 30s to, to work. But uh, it, when I was in high school, you know, I had some of my own money, so I wasn't as dependent on uh, my parents and Santa to um, provide my happiness. Uh, but really, right in your 20s, that's when, that's when Christmas becomes uh, something of a chore. It, uh, and, and it shouldn't be. It should be the happiest time of the year. Okay, granted, Easter, as we're, since we're Christians, probably Easter should be the happiest time of the year. But we'll take Christmas. Christmas is good, too. Celebrating the, the, the coming of, of the sun. Uh, but, yeah, it's, um, somehow it, 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 somehow I started dreading it. I mean, to be honest with you. And maybe some of you have experienced a little bit of this. Uh, we're doing a series. Uh, this, this series is, is called Christmas Wisdom. Uh, for the next four weeks, uh, there's all these problems that Christmas and the holidays bring. And I, I, I'm tired of it. And so I was like, we, we need to figure out what the Bible says to fix these problems so that we can not have to deal with them anymore. And I, I was thinking, where should we go to, to, to fix these problems? Where is the, the place in the Bible that gives you step-by-step answers for how to deal with life? Why? It's the wisdom literature, the Proverbs, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Really probably Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. It's a place where there's collected in the Bible all of the wisdom of Solomon, um, and, and he's the greatest, wisest king of Israel. Also, kind of, uh, there's a whole bunch of wisdom of like, uh, folk wisdom, common sense type wisdom. There's even, um, there's even, People who followed Solomon came after him and had uh, other perspectives. But all of Israel's wisdom, all of the wisdom that God sort of blesses and says, this is how to live life, it's, it's almost all of it compacted into this small section of Scripture. And so, over the next four weeks, we're going to develop real practical step-by-step plans to fix all of your problems. I mean, this is a true, a true self-help series. Um, and if you believe that, you don't know me very well. But we're going to start out with a self-help series. And we're going to, I'm guaranteeing you, it's my personal guarantee, by the end of this service, you will have a step-by-step guide to being happy this Christmas. No longer will you be annihilated by the, the misery and the sadness and the, and, the, and the busyness and the craziness. Instead, all of the good stuff, none of the bad stuff, we're just going to see what the, what the Proverbs have to say about it, and that uh, will, will, will send, I'll send you out to get pumped and put up your Christmas decorations if you haven't already. I'm not looking forward to that because I don't like ladders. <laughs> or labor. All right, so what I thought I would do is uh, I'm going to come up with some of the most, most common things that I think we all sort of experience as, um, as problems, right? And, and, and we're going to look at the Proverbs, how they seek to solve those problems so that we can answer that question, how can we be sure to have a very Merry Christmas? So the very first problem, the one that um, it's, it's, it's ubiquitous this time of year, everyone deals with it, um, is the fork in the road. The fork in the road. This is if you, uh, basically all during your life you have 
difficult choices to make. That ramps up in the holiday season, right? In the holiday season, you have to choose uh, which parties to go to, what to do while you're there, which presents to buy, whether or not you can afford them. Uh, all of those things start coming down. They crash down. You ignore it all year. And then right after, right after Thanksgiving, right after Black Friday, it starts to crash down. And you realize, oh my gosh, I've got to do all this stuff. This is worse if um, you are uh, the sort of person like I am who tends to be a people pleaser. I want people to like me. And so I've noticed that this time of year, the requests from people start to ramp up. And not just the requests from my kids for like, I think someone asked Alice, my daughter, what she wanted for Christmas. And I think she said, oh, you know, electronic devices, just like the most expensive stuff. Like parental failure. But that's an easy choice. Obviously, she's not going to get any of that. Uh, but there are a lot of difficult ones, and those, and those ramp up, especially if you're somebody who, you know, wants to do right by folks. For some of you, uh, you know, for those who are, um, who really dread the season, those who are lonely, depressed, um, this is really challenging. Because some gatherings and some places where you go, some choices you make actually exacerbate um, the symptoms and, and the sadness that you have. And so you're like, uh, you have these choices to make. Good news. Uh, the Proverbs have a, an, a way to address this. Let's uh, look at the Proverbs. This is uh, Proverbs 3, 13 to 18. Just for the record, I, I just went for the translations that were the easiest to understand. Um, most of these uh, texts, really the exact language doesn't matter a whole lot. When it does, I will point it out. Uh, but really, it's, you're just trying to get the basics of what uh, the, the wisdom is. And so Solomon says, Happy are those who find wisdom, and those who gain understanding. Her wisdom's profit is better than silver, her gain better than gold, her value exceeds pearls. All you desire can't compare with her. In her right hand is a long life, in her left are wealth and honor. I mean, these are the things that we want, right? This is what gives us happiness, long life, wealth, honor. Her ways are pleasant, all her paths are peaceful. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Those who hold her tight are happy. You may wonder how this helps you make decisions. Well, wisdom, by its very definition, is the art of being able to decide. It's it's the art of being able to... It's not being smart, okay? Uh, If you think that you're going to become wise by gaining a PhD, you are wrong. I know a lot of people who have PhDs who have absolutely no common sense. They can't talk their way out of a paper bag. They know a lot of stuff. They have a lot of facts. But they're awful at living. Instead, uh, wisdom is the ability to survey the options, to see what the facts are, and then, and then to make the best choice given the circumstances. So, an example of somebody, uh, an example of wisdom in our contemporary or, or in our history would be, um, if you remember when uh, World War II hadn't yet started, but uh, Hitler was rattling his saber, right? And the United Kingdom was really the only world power that was really kind of saying, hey, Hitler, hold on a second. And the, at the time, in 1938, uh, the, the United Kingdom was led by a guy named Neville Chamberlain. Neville, Neville Chamberlain was the prime minister. He saw that Hitler was like, I want more stuff. I want to, you know, we're Germans and we deserve better. And Neville Chamberlain, he, he was like, what do I got to do? I want to preserve peace. I want to make the best decision possible to preserve peace. He settled on appeasement. He said, he said, okay, Hitler, you can have Czechoslovakia and the Sudetenland. 
That's what you, if you take that, will you just stop so the rest of us can live in peace forever? Hitler said, oh yeah, I'll definitely do that. You give me Czechoslovakia. There was another voice, an alternative voice to Neville Chamberlain who represented the conventional wisdom of the time. This is the voice of Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill said, I know guys like Hitler. They're never going to be happy. It doesn't matter how much you give them. They're going to keep going and keep going. And I understand that you want peace, and I know that that's the goal, but maybe that's not possible. Maybe we're at a place in life where we absolutely just have to plant the flag and say no. And maybe we can't avoid war. Maybe we have to bloody Hitler's chin, and that's the only way to stop him. Both Chamberlain and Churchill had all the same facts. They knew the same guys. They were in the same world. They were experiencing the same things. They came out with two different attitudes, different approaches to life. One, Neville Chamberlain's, was a really bad idea and led to World War II. And by the way, it was shared by most of the people and the intelligentsia, the elites of the day. That, that there was one prevailing voice, one counter voice that said that maybe if they had followed Churchill's advice, maybe we wouldn't have had a World War II at all. Probably not, but maybe. And certainly once it started, the people of the United Kingdom said, Churchill, you were right. And we're going to trust you to lead us. That kind of ability to like take the lay of the land, to make the best possible choice, That's what leads, Solomon thinks, to a life of happiness. If you do that, you can expect during the Christmas season and throughout the year to be a basically happy person. You're going to have a long life. You're going to have wealth and honor. You're going to have all these things. And so, step number one. This is your foolproof guide to happiness this holiday. Step number one is become wise. Right? What you do is you, is you go, like, you look inside, you find the wisdom switch, and you flip it, and then you're good, right? Actually, the, uh, the Proverbs do tell us how to become wise. This is interesting. The Proverbs tell us that in order to become wise, hang out with wise people. So it, stop hanging out with the people who are, whose lives are terrible. Start hanging out with people whose lives are, like, you know, basically sorted. And then sort of pay attention to them. Stop, uh, stop talking all the time and listen and observe what they do. Ask for their advice, and especially when you don't like it, really listen to it. All right, sweet. Okay, so we got that down. Foolproof guidebook to happiness. <laughs> Big check there. Only two to go. All right, step number two. Um, this is uh, something that it's a little more serious than, than the last one because it's very real, um, is the, uh, the, the deal that hol- holidays and Christmas especially can be some of the saddest times of the year. Um, and I have a picture of a person who's sad. Um, if you're in this group, maybe you're uh, lonely because of a broken relationship or a death in the family. Uh, maybe you had some high expectations from somebody and they let you down, but for whatever reason, you are in a place of isolation and alienation. The Proverbs talk about people who are in this place, and I want to see what they have to say. Next slide. This is, uh, in my experience, very true. Anxiety weighs down the human heart. But a good word word cheers it up. Uh, Weighs down the human heart. Uh, They didn't have a word for depression in the ancient world. In fact, uh, the closest that you get in the Western tradition is St. Thomas Aquinas. Uh, He he calls um, what we think of as depression sloth. 
one of the seven deadly sins. He noticed that there were people who uh, couldn't get out of bed in the morning because there was no point to living as far as they could see. He didn't understand this. He didn't have the same clinical understanding that we do now. But the symptoms are the same. Uh, and, and in the Proverbs, there's a notion that, uh, so what weighs down the human heart is really the Proverbs way of saying depression. Anxiety leads to depression. This is something that I can attest to you is absolutely true. If you are living your life and you are in anxiety all the time, if you let that go and it keeps going, you will end up at a place where you don't want to get out of bed in the morning. And the Proverbs recognize that. And so God has a, a, a solution. The, the, the wisdom of the, the, the people has a solution. A good word cheers you up. Notice one of the interesting things that you cannot do in order to get a good word. You can't be alone. Um, this is interesting. It's interesting because uh, the, while it's buried in both of these proverbs, it, it's really true. The, the very the beginning of coming out of places of sadness, anxiety, uh, depression, isolation, um, and loneliness, the first thing is you've got to be around people. But, 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 not just anybody. Uh, there are people who assume, oh, it's the holidays, so I've got to go spend time with family. You know what? That's a great idea, unless your family destroys you. If your family is constantly criticizing you and tearing you down, then being with them is actually worse than not. So it's not just that you shouldn't be alone. You need to be with people who have a good word for you, right? And, and the Proverbs go on. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb. Sweetness to the soul, health to the body. There's a sense that words can actually change our, uh, our experience. Well, they can be healing, which is an interesting notion in modern medicine. We don't necessarily think of, uh, you know, they think, well, a surgery is what fixes you. The ancient world, they think that surgery is good, but it should be accompanied by, it should be accompanied by a healthy environment, an environment of encouragement, which actually uh, now, if you go to sort of cutting edge uh, medical facilities, they actually are, are trying to make it such that uh, you're in an environment of positivity and pleasantness, which is interesting. They're, they're sort of em, em, embracing kind of a more holistic approach to human health, and one that's really in keeping with the Proverbs. So here you are. You're, um, you're sad. Things are bad. You need, a, you need a, a, a concrete, foolproof step to happiness. Here it is, step number two. Surround yourself with people who encourage you. Surround yourself with people who encourage you. They could be family, could be friends, um, and that is guaranteed to fix uh, this particular problem. Number three. This is a, a picture from uh, me in the fourth grade. Has anyone here found their presence? A few people. Okay, a couple, yeah. Uh, <laughs> really, really bad move. And it's not really my fault. When you're a kid, like... You're going to look, right? I was in the fourth grade, and um, back in the 80s, it was okay to leave a fourth grader alone at home. That wasn't child abuse yet. Um, and so, yeah, so sometimes my parents would go, and they made a terrible choice. They left um, probably around December 10th or 11th. My dad was somewhere. My mom was somewhere. They were like, just, um, you know, just sit in a corner and do nothing until we return. We don't want you to, you know, get. I was like, of course, of course, parents, I will definitely do that. As soon as they left, I started searching top to bottom. Uh, I went to my parents' closet in their room, normally a verboten, forbidden place for me. I, I went into the closet, I flipped on the lights, I looked up, and yes, now it's a relic, there was a plastic bag with the words Toys R Us on it. <laughs> Sad that the kids now will never, 
know what that is. It's a shame. But anyway, so I uh, wasn't content just to see them. I got on a ladder. I pulled up. I pulled the bag down. I looked inside, and there, the coveted Lego pirate ship. The, I mean, this thing was like, it was probably like $80 in 1989 dollars, which is a lot more now. But like, I had wanted this thing so bad. It had, um, I think, six working cannons. They would fire little like Lego things like, I mean, truly, truly amazing. Um, <laughs> what I should have done is just put it all back and keep my mouth shut. Nope. I was so bummed at myself for actually finding everything. My parents were like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I found my presents. I'm sorry. Ah! My parents, because they're good parents, immediately were like, it's okay, honey. No, I'm just kidding. They didn't do that. My dad was like, if you're not really good, you're not going to get any of those. <laughs> Made it worse. <laughs> Now, why did that happen? Well, it's because my parents left. If they'd been helicopter parents like we are now, then they, I would never have had an opportunity to go looking for presents. They would have been safe. Interestingly, uh, the Bible um, and the Proverbs think, uh, think this way too. Uh, they, they recognize that um, when God seems to like you know, not be super involved, that's when people are more, most likely to, like, be naughty. And especially when the pressures of the Christmas season happen, that's what happens. You're like, where's God? Yeah, I'm not hearing anything. All I'm hearing is, like, the fear that I'm not going to have enough money to buy all the things that I'm supposed to buy or whatever. Let's look at the Proverbs really quick. Where there is no prophecy, the people cast off restraints. But happy are those who keep the law. Happy are those who are continually fearful, but those whose hearts are hard fall into trouble. In both of these texts, what, the, um, what Solomon's saying is he's like, hey, when you don't feel like God's around or talking to you, that's when you're most likely to go and do whatever you want. Uh, the word prophecy there, um, uh, daga, it really, it can't, it really means sight or vision. Uh, and so some translations will say vision. Really the idea is when you have a sense of what God expects— what he wants. And you're in that place where a lot of us have been in our lives where we're like, oh yeah, I feel you, God. I know what you're saying. You're guiding me. You have this really close relationship. When you're in a situation like that, it's super easy to stay on the straight and narrow. It's when we get off of that, when God doesn't seem to be around, and we're not exactly sure. It seems like he's taken off and done whatever he's doing, and we're sort of figuring it out all on our own. That's when we want to go looking for the presence. We're like, oh, those rules don't apply to me. I don't need to worry about those laws. And the, the Proverbs say, wrong, stop. If you want to be a happy person, pretend like God's looking over your shoulder all the time. Happy are those who are continually fearful. This is the fear of God. They're really continually awed, right? Like just in reverence for who God is. If you're continually reverent, well, you're not going to go searching for the presence. You're not going to get off the path. You're not going to lie and cheat and steal. You're going to stick to your guns. You're going to stay on the straight and narrow. Step three in the foolproof guide to happiness this Christmas season, generally act in accordance with the spirit of God's law. Really, you might even say, uh, you know, keep in mind that God's watching you, right? Because <laughs> if you do that, you'll be less likely to, to slip up. Well, there you go, okay? Hey, uh, good news. We finished about uh, 30 minutes early. Um, <laughs> That was awesome. 
really cool. Uh, we've, so now everyone's going to be happy and everything's going to be perfect, right? Okay, let's uh, pray. Wait, we've got the time. Maybe I could just... So, I was reading, right? And I was looking at these Proverbs. And I was like, yeah, that's all true, I guess. But, I don't know. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not super, I'm not as old as a lot of you, thank God. But <laughs> I, I have been around a while. And I feel like I've seen a few things. And, I don't know. Doesn't this stuff kind of sound a little bit trite? I mean, not that it's not true, but that it's like, yeah, okay, right, obviously, like, hang out with wise people. Sure, okay, uh, you know, be encouraged, right? Like, is that really all the Proverbs have to say to us about happiness in general, happiness this holiday season? So I, I indulged, I tickled my nerd, my inner nerd, and I, and I kept reading. And, uh, and I want to share with you some of the things that I found. Uh, Marilyn, I think there's a Facebook thing. Skip that. Yeah, skip that. It's complicated. Okay, cool. This is uh, in Ecclesiastes. Also, um, it's, this follows the Proverbs. Uh, probably Solomon writing this. Maybe not. There's some confusion about that. But it doesn't matter. It's somebody who embraced Solomon's uh, way of thinking. I said to myself, look, I have increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I have experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. And then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom and also of madness and folly. And this I learned, that even wisdom is chasing after the wind. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. That word, uh, chasing after the winds, uh, the word there, hevel, it's one of my favorite Hebrew words. Hevel uh, means like breath, but it's also often used uh, to describe idols, right? Things that people put their hearts into, things that are like we love. Well, those things are just, they're just, they're wiped away with the winds. But here's this guy, right, who, um, you know, if it's Solomon at the beginning of his life, is like, hey, become wise, and then you'll be happy. You know, embrace the tree of wisdom, and happiness will follow. And here he is saying, yeah, actually, um, the more you do that, the more miserable you get. I should know this is true, and I do. I, I was a philosophy major. I studied theology. I've read so many books. And the farther I go, the less I know. And so on the one hand, uh, the Bible says, if you want to be happy, get wisdom. And the other hand, it says, if you want to be miserable, get wisdom. So I kept reading. And I found uh, these texts. A man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. Uh, really, you could think of like a, a cartoon almost where... Um, you're like, you're like, oh, you're, you're great. You're amazing. Come here, come here. And at the same time, you're, you're like a net that like it catches you up, right? Like, I guess that's how you catch tigers. Is that the thing where they like step into the net? Whoosh. No, that's how you catch uh, Ewoks in Return of the Jedi. They're, I guess, uh, Han Solo and C-3PO. They had like, whoosh. well, that's what it is. It's a net that like you step into it and it catches you up. And so the idea is that there's a person who's like, you're, you're so great. Look at you. You're so attractive and competent. And you're like, keep coming. You're like, oh, yeah, that feels 
really good to hear that. A lying tongue hates those it crushes. A flattering mouth causes destruction. You're sitting there, and then this is especially true for those of us who are really sad, we're isolated, we're lonely. What we desperately need is our insecurities addressed. And guess what? Good flatterers, good deceivers, they're not going to tell you stuff that doesn't matter to you. They're going to get right in there and look past, you know, your defenses and, and find your insecurities. And those are the things that they're going to assuage. They're going to be like, oh, no, 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 you're, you're doing great at work. You are. It would be insane for anyone to think otherwise. Two weeks later, pink slip. Oh, no, no, no. The problem, it's not you. It's him. Like, you're, you're doing, you're great. Like, this relationship is falling apart because he's awful. Or she's awful. And so on the one hand, Solomon says to us, he says, he says, hey, if you want to be happy, surround yourself with people who will encourage you. And then he says, if you surround yourself with people who encourage you, you're going to die. So I kept reading. Solomon again, I've seen everything in my days of vanity. That's hevel again, that word that means like an idol or a breath. There is a just man who perishes in his righteousness. And there's a wicked man who prolongs his life in his wickedness. There's a good guy and he does all the right stuff and he's gone. There's a terrible guy who's lying and cheating and stealing, makes him even more terrible and better and he gets more stuff and he lives longer and, has, and he's happier. In the Proverbs, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. You're sitting there, and you've got all the stuff on the table. You've figured it out. You're looking at, this is what God wants for you. This is the right thing to do. And so you start walking down that path, and you're gone. And so on the one hand, if you want to be happy, generally act according to the Spirit of God's law. But sometimes that doesn't work. And it ends in destruction. Ah, so, uh, to, to really get the foolproof, perfect guide to happiness, I added a fourth step. Step number four. When appropriate, ignore steps one through three. <laughs> that's, that's in your note sheets. Ignore. You should write that. <laughs> Do we have the cute cartoon? Yes. I totes want to go to that store. Everything there is like triple, quadruple XL. Because that does fit everybody, sort of. You know, it's uh, the Proverbs, they are a guide to truth, and we will talk about how important it is to really pay attention to steps one, and th one through three uh, for happiness this Christmas season and in general. Um, but God understands that human beings come in all shapes and sizes. Okay? And by shapes and sizes, I don't mean tall, short, skinny, fat. I mean uh, with all kinds of characters and attributes. There are some people who are like, you know, like they're not emotional at all. Right? They're just absolutely like cold as ice. I tend to be more along those lines. Then there are people who wear all of their feelings on their sleeve. And Doug shares them with you every week. 
when he leads music. But notice then, notice then that if, if the, the guide for Doug's happiness and the guide for Tom's happiness are going to be different. It's going to be radically different because we're different people. And there's an understanding in the Proverbs that, that human diversity is so much that, um, yeah, there's some general rules that you can pay attention to. And there are some really good uh, ideas and insights. But, dude, there's also no guarantees. And if you're sitting around being like, I will be happy Good luck, man. Like, really, good luck. Go for it. See how that works out for you. Because guess what? Not only is there massive human diversity, you also aren't in control of a lot of stuff that's going on. Man, I, I tell you, like, I, and, and a lot of this is because I, I, I do react to a lot of the theology, bad theology that's out there telling you, if you just do this, you're going to be a happy person. Nonsense. No matter what, if you, you can do whatever it is that they tell you to do, steps one through three or whatever, that doesn't change the fact that during the Christmas season, someone that you love very deeply might die. And if you're like, woohoo, I'm awesome, that's great, then there's something wrong with you. No, you shouldn't always be happy. The fullness of human life isn't about happiness and sadness. The fullness of human life is about something else. I think we have a, the nativity. God understood that human beings come in all shapes and sizes. We, we have all kinds of different needs and desires and wants. There's some things that motivate you and don't motivate me and vice versa. There's all of this. And God in his infinite wisdom understood that there is no perfect solution for every person. There's no way that you're going to come through life and do it all right and fix everything and, 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 and you know, really nail it. That's just not going to happen. But the thing is, the good news is that God didn't leave it there. God didn't say, ah, ha, ha, what a great cosmic joke on those poor humans. Instead, God said, here's what I'm going to do. I know you can't, there's not one size that fits all for you, except I am going to become one with you, and I'm going to share something with you. And when Jesus comes, when he incarnates into the world, he shares the full and complete life of God. Not happy human life, but divine life. The life that God experiences in God's self apart from any, any of us. It's a little bit deep, but it's worth talking about. We as Christians uh, confess the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit. When God, Father, Son, and Spirit, three persons, one being, is by God's self, God is infinitely joyful. God's joy, the joy of the Father spills over onto the Son, who in joy and love completes the Father's will and does everything according to his plan, empowered by the joyful Spirit who makes all of that possible. The Godhead is a constant experience of overwhelming joy, so much joy that God didn't want to keep it to himself, and he spills it out onto the world in the person of Jesus Christ. When Jesus comes into the world, the life, the joy, and experience of God himself becomes available to every single one of us. Not the happiness of the Christmas season, but the joy, the eternal knowledge that life is meaningful, purposeful, satisfying, and good. The recognition that there is a hope and a mission, a confidence about who we are, what we were made for. And then the power to live that out in our daily lives. And this, this is the fullness of the wisdom of God. 
And Paul recognized this, uh, just one last text is from 1 Corinthians. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the Messiah, Jesus, is God's power and God's wisdom. This is because the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. You might have a really bad Christmas, but you know what the worst Christmas was? The worst Christmas was when the Son of God himself came, and he was born in the midst of a whole bunch of animal manure. That's where the Son of God, that's where the God's life itself comes into our world, is surrounded by donkey poop. If I say the sea world, I'll get in trouble. Here it is, God, the fullness of everything, and he comes in a backwards, weird, totally unhappy way. He has nothing that we associate with happiness. He has no friends. He has no place to rest his head. He has no wealth. He has no honor. He walks around. He serves. He's homeless. He has nothing that we associate with happiness, and yet he is life and satisfaction and joy itself from the beginning of his ministry all the way to his crucifixion and finished in his resurrection. That is the joy of God, and that doesn't make sense to us, and yet it's real, and all we have to do to appropriate it is believe. If you simply believe that life, that joy can be yours. If you come today and you're spiritually numb, you have no happiness, you're miserable. Part of the reason you're miserable is because you've never experienced the divine life before. If you've never believed in Jesus, you must believe now that you can have access to God's life, his forgiveness, his redemption, his hope, his confidence, his satisfaction. I'm going to pray for you in a second. Some of you, uh, you have the, the divine life. You've believed, and yet you're miserable. I don't want you to come away thinking that God wants you to be miserable. He doesn't. God's not in the business of torturing people and making them miserable. You might be somebody who would really benefit from the basic stance of the Proverbs. You really might be surrounding yourself with idiots. And you may have imbibed their idiocy. And you may be living according to idiocy, and your life is wrecked because of it. If that is the case, then go back to step one and become wise. Hang out with wise people. You might be totally isolated. You might be lonely. You might be anxiety leading to depression. You might need good words to encourage you. You need to be surrounded by people who will build you up rather than tear you down. That's step two. Some of those people, by the way, uh, they might not initially want to hang out with you. The cool thing about the church is that the church, they can't say no. Yeah. It's sort of like family, right? Where you're like, yeah, I'm just having a tough time right now. And then the, the well, that's really bad for you. Like, can I hang out with you? Okay. <laughs> but don't come to me first, all right? Go to somebody else. I'm like, I mean, I'll say yes, but then my wife will be mad at me. But no, like, you really, you really do have an opportunity here to be amongst people who will build you up. Uh, one thing, just an aside here, uh, really quick. I, it's been settling in my heart uh, of late uh, that there's two groups, I think, uh, of people in this community that I've had a lot of contact with um, that I think could really benefit from something like this. And, and, and that's the people who are sort of on the outskirts of the community. They haven't been here for 10 years like 
you know, a lot of people. And they're like, they want to be a part. You want to be a part of what's going on. You want to feel like this is home. But you're just not quite sure how to get in, how to, like, break through the barriers. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about you, and I've been praying a lot about you. And I, I'm, it's really settled on my heart that we've got to do something in January. Some kind of group. Uh, it could be a Bible study. It could be something. But just where, uh, where you can come and settle in and get to know folks and, and be connected with them. Um, so that's the first. The second group that I've, I've it's been heavy on my heart. Uh, I was talking to somebody yesterday. I, I was like, I don't know what it is. Uh, apparently, you know, like attracts like because ever since um, I have been more or less honest about my own mental illness and mental health issues, it's like people have been coming out of the woodwork. Everyone's like anxious and depressed. And it's like, sweet. <laughs> uh, that's not how God wants us to live. Um, and and I, it's heavy on my heart to have something uh, for those of us who um, have battled or are battling these types of issues, um, isolation, anxiety, depression. Uh, and I, I'm not sure exactly what that looks like, but we need to do that together. And so coming in January, those two groups, I, I really want to make sure we have something for you. So if you identify in either one of those groups, uh, please, please email me, Tom at coastbible.org. Give me a call, 949-350-5862. Did you get that? Uh, good. Um, you can call or text. Uh, and, 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 and give me your input, because I really want to make sure that we are a group of people who are surrounding ourselves with those who, um, who build us up and don't tear us down. Uh, the last group, those of you who uh, you figured it out. You're joyful. You've got, you're like, you look forward to the Christmas season. You're weird. You're like, yes, it's Christmas time. It's awesome. I love this. <laughs> God bless you. Uh, I don't know if you just heard. I just said um, that there's a group of people here in this congregation who are on the outside who want to be on the inside. There's a group of people in this congregation who are anxious and depressed. Please help them. Like, I know that everything's awesome for you, but check it out. God did not, like, fill you up so that you could be like, I love being filled up. (laughs) This is great. God actually filled you up uh, so that you could be poured out Somewhere else. Um, and, and so did you notice that I just said that we're going to try and develop some, some groups or studies or something like that for people who are on the outside who want to be on the inside and for people who are, you know, maybe anxious or depressed or dealing with those issues. Wouldn't it be cool if there were some people who'd like, you know, already done that, who could lead or facilitate and help? You can go ahead and raise your hand anytime to volunteer. I'll just, I'll just wait. We'll just have a moment of silence. No, I'm just kidding. Um, that's, that's what I'm calling you to. If, there's, if, if anything I'm saying is like pricking your ears, and please contact me. Let me know that you'd be interested in, in being a part of this, to be the people who bring joy uh, to others. Marilyn, if we could go to the last slide, the title slide. Um, I'd like to uh, invite Rachel to come up. If you've noticed, we, we have uh, some, some Advent candles here. Uh, it's sort of a tradition to kind of mark off the time uh, to, to when we celebrate the coming of our Lord at Christmas. Um, and, and the first candle this year is the candle of joy. And if you've been listening to what we're, we've been saying today, it's really, it's really about joy. There's, there's this, this sense of emptiness in the world. 
And this desire to fill it up with like things that make us happy, that bring us, that meet our desires. And, and we just need to have this five-step plan to accomplish when what every single person here and in the world is really desiring is the joy that comes with salvation and the fullness of God. If you don't have that joy, thank you, Rachel. If you don't have that joy, let me pray for you right now as we close our service. Gracious God, you who give comfort and joy, I pray that you fill up each person here not with cheap and trite happiness, not with uh, simple solutions to complex problems, but instead, God, the fullness of your spirit. God, if there's anyone here who's spiritually numb, who just does not know your son, who, who doesn't have access to your life through faith, God, I just pray that they will uh, pray to receive it right now, just to say to you, God, I need your life, and I believe that you'll give it to me if I trust you and ask you. I need your redemption and your forgiveness. I need a new lease on life, and I believe that you'll give that to me if I just trust in Jesus and ask you. God, for those uh, who genuinely are sad, who really are miserable, who are dreading this holiday season, Lord, I pray that your wisdom uh, will begin putting them on a path to healing, a path to wholeness. God, I pray that this community of faith would be an integral part of that, that we would be a people who encourage and increase each other's joy, that those of us who are farther along the journey would would reach back and and help others along to recognize the beauty and the power of your Son, the joy of, of forgiveness, the joy of redemption, the joy of change and transformation. God, we look forward again to the coming of your Son, he who is your wisdom to us in its fullness. May we walk in his light each and every day. In his name we pray, amen.